are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, February 14th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're listening to today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It's all completely for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all absolutely for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, good afternoon, everyone. And as always, thank you for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start off your week. We got the episode coming out a little bit later here today, folks, because a couple of different reasons, actually. First uh, was because I wanted to see if the Blackhawks were going to go with any lineup changes for their game tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. I don't believe there was any access to the morning skate with the game being up in Winnipeg, so kind of had to wait a little bit longer till Derek King spoke with the media uh, not not too long ago, and we finally heard those updates, which I'll get into uh, in just a little bit, but also... For those of you who have been following the show, and um, you've probably, if you've been listening to the show for the past few weeks, you've probably heard me mention how I scheduled a vacation a few months ago to Mexico thinking that the NHL players would be taking part in the Olympics right now. Originally, there was supposed to be a three-week break here for the NHL schedule, so I thought, hey, perfect time, middle of the season, I'll get myself refreshed have a nice week away from the cold of Chicago, and then when I come back, I'll be ready to, despite where the Blackhawks are or where they may be, no matter what, hey, I'll be ready to get back into that second half grind after, uh, you know, a a couple of weeks off there, so thought it'd be a perfect time to schedule a vacation to Mexico. Turns out, not a good decision. Now I have to work and watch Blackhawks games in Mexico, which I guess is still better than, uh, having to do that in cold Chicago right now. So I apologize to all the listeners out there, but yes, it is 88 and sunny where I'm at right now. It's not too shabby, but yeah. So a couple different reasons why the show came out a little bit later. Thank you for everyone for still tuning in. And uh, we definitely got a lot of good stuff on tap here today. We, we got, uh, I'll be going over the Blackhawks five to one lopsided loss to the St. Louis blues over the weekend. Not good. I'll also get into, as I mentioned, a preview of tonight's matchup with the Winnipeg Jets. And then per usual, to wrap things up here on Monday will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Before I get into all the good stuff today, though, folks, I got to remind you all that today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games here in 2022. Bet Online where the game begins. All right, to kick things off this morning, folks, uh, let's get into that 5-1 to one loss on Saturday night to the division rival St. Louis Blues. And with the Blackhawks in their, game pri- their last game prior to Saturday night, defeating the Edmonton Oilers, and also in both matchups against the Blues earlier on in the year, 
The Hawks were right there in each of those against a good Blues team. So I was hopeful that they'd find themselves right in the thick of things once again here in matchup number three against the Blues on Saturday night, but that did not wind up being the case. And again, the consistency of this Blackhawks team continues to just be a massive issue. I mean, the first and third periods on Saturday, especially the third period, they were absolutely atrocious. And that's kind of putting it nicely. Like, I I get this Blues team is pretty darn good. But for the Blackhawks to have a total of seven shots on goal in the first and third periods combined, they only had two in the third period. As well as only 16 total for the game. I mean... I don't know how you can expect the result to be any different. 16 shots on goal in a game in 60 minutes. Unbelievable. And when they did shoot the puck, they actually had some quality looks and some decent scoring chances. But Billy Husso, uh, who's been on fire for St. Louis, by the way, this season, uh, he just continued on that path and robbed the Hawks on a couple of different occasions in this one. But to only test him 16 times over the course of a game, I mean, It's disheartening, discouraging, and just flat-out embarrassing, really. Um, And especially coming against, you know, probably the biggest rival that the Hawks have right now in the St. Louis Blues. I was getting an earful all Saturday night. Of course, I went to college in Missouri, so I had to deal with a lot of Blues fans in my time there. And I'm not going to lie to you, I, uh, I talked a pretty good amount of smack about the Blackhawks when I was there. Then the Blues go on to win the Stanley Cup. I go, to, I go to school in Missouri, and all their sports teams become amazing. It's t- unreal. I, my freshman year in college, Kansas City Royals win it all. Sophomore, junior year, Blues win it all. Senior year, Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I'm like, what? Unbelievable. But for the Hawks, yeah, to, to lose that badly to their division rivals, um, it really sucked, <laughs> being honest. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just how this Blackhawks team is this season. Sometimes it really sucks. Sometimes they'll surprise you with an upset win every now and again, just like they did against the Edmonton Oilers earlier last week. Um, and when they do actually put together a complete effort, a good, consistent effort for full 60 minutes, they can hang in there with anyone. They've shown us that. But then they can also go right back to looking like one of the worst teams in the entire NHL and are capable of losing to anyone, even the lowly Arizona Coyotes. We have seen it all this season, folks. That's the 2021-2022 Chicago Blackhawks. No one really knows what team is going to show up, but uh, sadly, more times than not so far, it's been pretty tough to watch the Blackhawks here this year. And that was the case once again on Saturday night. Getting into a recap of this game for a couple of minutes, um, the first half of the first period, it was like the Blackhawks were getting swarmed. They were stuck in their own zone, weren't able to get out, not making good passes. And then, uh, Connor Murphy winds up taking a holding penalty. I think that was one of three holding penalties the Blackhawks took in this game. Not sure if the officials were specifically looking for that or just a lot of holds going on in this one. It was something I noticed. Um, but after that penalty by Murphy, the Blues capitalized to take an early one nothing lead. David Perron, a nifty curl and drag maneuver to get that shot past uh, Calvin DeHaan, who stepped up to try to block it. And by changing the angle, I think it kind of surprised Flurry a little bit that it went five hole and, and even got through. So heck of a play there by David Perron to make it one to nothing. Uh, and by the way, folks, one thing I have to mention on the show today, I saw this from Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times. Got to have Ben on the show here sometime soon, by the way, folks. Don't let me forget that. 
But anyways, according to Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun-Times, since Thanksgiving, the Blackhawks have only killed off 65% of their penalties. They're 54 for 82 while shorthanded in the last three months or so. And that's good enough for worst in the entire NHL over that time span. I mean, hard to be a competitive team when your penalty kill is that atrocious, when it's, you know, costing you basically on a nightly basis. And that's kind of something that really has been an issue ever since Derek King took over. Um, I'm not really sure if it's the mindset there. I know one thing that also isn't helping right now is Jonathan Taze being out of the lineup. He's literally the only guy that can consistently win a faceoff for this team. So not having him out there is definitely um, definitely not aiding to the cause. Um, but, you know, it, this is just something that needs to be cleaned up in the future. Whoever is calling the shots next season, whoever is the Blackhawks' next coach, the special teams, man, there's nothing special about them for the Chicago Blackhawks. To have this poor of a penalty kill, I mean, it's so deflating for this team, and it's cost them time and time and time again throughout the course of the season, just like it did early on Saturday against the Blues. one nothing St. Louis, and then just a couple moments later, Dakota Joshua was able to double the, double the Blues lead as he uh, escaped Ryan Carpenter's fres- presence in front of the net and stuffed home a rebound. It was kind of just a, a harmless-looking play, too, right? Like, Tory Krug just kind of flicked the puck on net from the point. Flurry, I think he was able to get a piece of the shot with his blocker, but uh, the puck was kind of bouncing all over the place, and then Carpenter wasn't able to provide the best defense in front of his own net, and Joshua winds up putting home the rebound to make it 2-0 St. Louis. After 20 minutes, not a good start out of our Blackhawks. And there's been plenty of times this year where the first period, they've really played themselves out of contention. And uh, while that wasn't necessarily the case here, falling behind 2 to nothing to a good team like St. Louis on the road, I mean, what, you give the Blackhawks a 5-10% chance of coming back in that one? So um, definitely not a good enough start by the Blackhawks to pick up a, a road win against a, a quality team in St. Louis. Um, in the second period, though, I will say, I mean, undoubtedly, the second period was by far the Blackhawks' best of the night. And they actually got a five-on-three power play in the first few minutes of the second. And Patrick Kane and Dylan Strom, I mean, these two guys have been clicking lately, baby. Kaner rifled a pass in front of the net. And Strom, I I actually have no idea. The hand-eye coordination here from Stromer was incredible. I have no idea how he was able to get a piece of that pass. It was a rifle from Kaner. But he managed to deflect the puck through Husso, and just like that, the Blackhawks had a little bit of life all of a sudden after a pretty horrendous start to this game. And even throughout the rest of the way in the second period, it was solid. They were able to, to keep things even. They were remaining in the game. Huso robbed them of a couple good scoring ooh, excuse me, a couple good scoring opportunities. But the real killer came with under a minute to go in the second one. A Blackhawks killer, Vladimir Tarasenko was able to regain that two-goal advantage for St. Louis. Just an absolute backbreaker for the Hawks to give up there in, in that final minute. After all their hard work to claw themselves right back into the game, despite having a terrible start, they were right there. You know, being down 2-1 to one going into the third, not a bad spot after how terrible the start was. So to give up that goal to Tarasenko with 40 seconds left in the period, I mean, that was the definition of a backbreaker. And I think most of us, 
probably knew right there and then that, yeah, that, that gashed the Blackhawks' chances of a comeback. But the third period, I think, was worse than anybody could have expected. I mean, holy moly. I, I literally turned off the TV with like six minutes to play. It was that bad. The Blackhawks mustered up a whopping two shots on goal in the final 20 minutes. Two! Two shots on Billy Huso in the third period when they should be the team that's playing with desperation. They got their asses absolutely handed to them by the Blues in the third period. It, they got dominated. I mean, I couldn't watch it any longer. Sunquist and Cairo went on to add two more to make this one a complete rout for St. Louis. Just a, a, a putrid effort down the stretch from the Blackhawks. And, and it's almost like they knew themselves that after that goal from Tarasenko late in the second, that, that was basically all she wrote for their chances. So another discouraging and disheartening loss for our Chicago Blackhawks, 5-1 to one down in St. Louis on Saturday night, and the roller coaster ride of a season only continues on after another embarrassing performance against the division rival Blues. All right, there are some thoughts on the Blackhawks' lopsided loss to the St. Louis Blues on Saturday night. Coming up in just a moment, I am going to get into a preview of tonight's matchup against the Winnipeg Jets. But first, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or even eating healthier, then make sure to include Built Bar in your plan, because right now, you can get the best of both worlds with Built Bar. Delicious and healthy. In so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you go with raspberry or mint brownie? Coconut almond or double chocolate? Cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Either way you choose, Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because they taste so good, you'll actually want to eat them. Unlike some other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or even just taste like a chemical spill. And if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is also good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And for a limited time offer, Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com with the promo code LOCKED15, one word LOCKED in all caps, followed by the number 15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Moving on into segment two this morning, it's time to get into a full preview of tonight's matchup between the Chicago Blackhawks and Winnipeg Jets. By the way, this is going to be an 8 p.m. Central Time puck drop this evening, folks, with the game taking place up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. But it's undoubtedly going to be another tough challenge on the road for the Hawks here. This will be uh, their third and final game of this current road trip, going up against the 2017-8 Jets, who are currently eight points back of the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. So it's also starting to get into do-or-die territory for Winnipeg at this point as well. I know we still got 30-plus games to go, but there are a plethora of teams fighting for that final playoff spot in the Western Conference ahead of the Blackhawks. It is a dogfight right now. So. Um, it's, it's, yeah, as I said, it's starting to get to that point in the season where the Jets need to put something together before their postseason hopes get dashed. But this is actually only the second meeting 
between the Hawks and the Jets so far this season. And if you remember correctly, folks, the last time these two teams met, not only did it result in a 5-1 to one loss for the Hawks in this same building up in Winnipeg, um, but it all, also ultimately happened to be Jeremy Colleton's final game from behind the bench. So uh, it's been quite a while since these two teams have matched up and a lot has gone on, but the Hawks are definitely looking to put together a much better effort, not only than they did in that first meeting, but also than they did on Saturday night against St. Louis. But this is a beatable Jets team. One thing I noticed when I was doing my research, it's kind of been a roller coaster ride for for them as well here throughout the course of this season. Uh, They recently lost six games in a row towards the end of January and have now flip-flopped wins and losses over their last five games. So lots of ups and downs. And also, hey, they beat Nashville 5-2 on Saturday. So that trend continues that we've seen recently for Winnipeg. This should be a loss from the Jets here tonight at home. Uh, Fingers crossed on that one. But for the Blackhawks, I, I think it's really key to point out that If they want to win here tonight up in Winnipeg, not only do they need to put together a much better effort than they did on Saturday, I mean, that goes without say, Um, but my first key to victory, personally, is I think they got to shut down the big guns of Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley. I feel like whenever the Blackhawks take on the Jets, those two guys are the ones who, who really seem to be leading the charge for Winnipeg, and for Kyle Connor, he's the leading scorer for the Jets right now. He's got 50 points. Through his first 45 games so far this season, he also has three goals and five assists for eight points in his last five games as well. So uh, the Blackhawks got to be on their toes whenever Kyle Connor is on the ice because he has one of the best shots in the entire league. And then for Shifley, uh, the numbers are a little bit down for him. He's a little less than a point per game guy, which I mean, when I say the numbers are a little down and he's nearly a point per game guy, I mean, it kind of tells you what kind of player he is. Uh, one of the best setup guys in the entire NHL. He's a great pass-first guy, but he also can beat you with the shot. If you think he's, uh, if you believe he's he's not gonna uh, fire it on net, that would be a mistake as well. So, um, those two guys, I really think, are the key tonight for the Blackhawks defense. And also, one thing I noticed when doing this research, the Jets' offense only ranks 20th in the entire NHL, averaging 2.87 goals per game, which. With all the talent they have on this team, that surprised me a little bit. I can't lie. Um, So I think if the Hawks can shut down those two big guns for Winnipeg, it's going to go a a long way to picking up a victory up north on the road here tonight to finish up this road trip. And then another key, (laughs) the penalty kill. They got to start picking it up. I mean, it is, it's terrible. And it seems to be costing them, if not every game, then at least every other game. I mean, the Blackhawks PK, they're, Times when they need big kills, they never seem to get them. And one of the most frustrating parts about this whole thing is I feel like the Blackhawks take a lot of stupid penalties. Like on Saturday against St. Louis, a couple holding penalties. It's like, when your penalty kill is this bad, you got to stay out of the box. You don't have your best face-off, man. Your defense has been getting slashed all year long for the most part. So it's like, need to do a better job and just need to be smarter and stay out of the penalty box. As I talked about earlier, Hawks have the worst penalty kill in the entire NHL since Thanksgiving at 65%. And (laughs) it's cost them time after time after time this season. So I think the keys tonight would be to stop the big guns and don't take any bad penalties. This Jets team is 11th in the NHL on the power play coming into tonight. So 
The Blackhawks, if they want the best chance of coming away with a victory, they definitely need to help themselves out and stay out of the penalty box as much as possible. Those are probably my two biggest keys coming into tonight's matchup. As for the Blackhawks lineup, a couple interesting points to make here, folks. Um, first, Marc-Andre Fleury will be back in net once again for the Blackhawks. This is now his 15th start in the last 16 games. And I know a lot of people probably, I have actually not even probably, I've seen plenty of people on my timeline saying, well, why aren't they giving Soderblom a chance yet? Why? I mean, what are we doing here? We're a handful of points out of a playoff spot that seems more... <laughs> More than likely not going to happen. Everyone's pretty aware of that situation. So why is Derek King not giving Arvid Soderblom chances? And I feel like he's kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place with this choice because going up against good teams during this road trip, right? It's a three-game road trip. Edmonton, St. Louis, and Winnipeg. Those are all, all pretty good teams, right? I know Edmonton and Winnipeg both aren't in a playoff spot right now, but three solid teams. And we heard the mentality from the Blackhawks after the All-Star break. We heard Derek King say, hey, we're going to continue trying here, folks. Let's see what happens. Let's be good professionals. Put your head down. Do the work. And we'll deal with the results when they come. I understand that mindset. And listen, especially in hockey, no one's going to be not trying out there. No one's not going to be a good professional. I mean, the Blackhawks are going to try to win games. So I think King's just kind of in this tough spot where if he starts Soderblom, is that going to give the team the wrong idea? Is that going to give the, the team the idea that we're going to start giving the youngsters opportunities? It's already done. Because the message that Kinger just told the team would be the complete opposite if you start giving Soderblom regular starts. So it's kind of a tough situation. I feel like that Kinger has kind of put himself in here, but at some point he does realize that Arvid Soderblom has to get some opportunities. I mean, he can't start Flurry each and every night until he gets traded, but that's basically what he's been doing lately. So um, I do expect, though, once the Blackhawks return home, they have that back-to-back later in the week on Thursday and Friday. Arvid Soderblom undoubtedly is going to get uh, one of those two starts at least. But Marc-Andre Fleury will be in net for the Blackhawks tonight against the Jets. As for the lineup changes, we saw or we will see a couple of them here tonight. First forward, Brett Connolly will be jumping back into the lineup for Philip Kurashev, interestingly enough. And I can't say I'm too surprised here with Kurashev being scratched, though, because the consistency, he's been kind of like a parallel to the Blackhawks. There are some times where you're like, wow, Philip Kurashev, look at that speed. This guy can make plays when he's got open ice. But then there are other nights he completely forget he's part of the team. So. That consistency has been a huge issue of his. Hopefully, getting scratched here will kind of light a fire under his butt a little bit and get him going down the stretch because I'm not going to lie, I'm a little worried about Philip Kershev's future in the NHL based on what we've seen here out of his first two seasons. I know he's still young, but this definitely has not been the sophomore NHL season that he or anyone else was hoping for. The second change that we'll see in the Blackhawks lineup tonight makes absolutely no sense to me, folks. Jakub Galvis, who, especially early on in that game, those first two periods, he made some really solid plays to prevent this from being like an 8-1 to loss. And it seems like Jakub Galvis is one of those guys who's always in the right position. He's always got his stick where it needs to be. He's got his body where it needs to be. He's in the right places at the right time. 
but for whatever reason, he is going to be healthy scratch tonight in favor of Eric Gustafson. This doesn't make any sense at all to me. Someone make this make sense. Galvis, I know he's only got five NHL games of experience, but it's been a pretty darn impressive first five games. And while Eric Gustafson has been playing better past couple of months or so, and he's been chipping in offensively almost on a regular basis now, we got to start thinking about the future here. How can you be playing Eric Gustafson over Jakob Galvis? Eric Gustafson is not going to mean anything to us in two months. Why are we playing him? This just doesn't make any sense to me. Get as many young guys... Get as many young guys as much experience as possible right now. We're not going to learn anything about Eric Gustafson this season that's going to help us going forward. We know who he is. Why are we not focused on developing a guy like Jakob Galvis? And if we recalled him, shouldn't we be playing him on a regular basis? I feel like this is probably only going to be a spot scratch for Galvis. At least that's what I'm hopeful for. But um, I just don't understand calling him up to not play him. And to be playing Eric Gustafson over him, it just doesn't make any sense at all in my mind. Someone help me help it make sense to me. But those are the two lineup changes we'll see from the Chicago Blackhawks tonight when they take on the Winnipeg Jets. Brett Connolly will be jumping in up front for Philip Kershev, while Eric Gustafson will rejoin the lineup on the back end in place of Jakob Galvis. All right, that takes care of a preview of tonight's matchup between the Blackhawks and Winnipeg Jets. Coming up in just a moment... It's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Welcome back to Locked On Blackhawks. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Moving on into segment three on the show today. As always, to start off the week, it's time for our Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. The first question I wanted to answer today comes from Sammy Mitchell, who emailed in the podcast over the weekend. Sammy, thank you for reaching out. Uh, Sammy asked, if you had to guess which current Blackhawks are not going to be part of this team after the trade deadline. Ooh, I may need to get a list out or something here. Let me pull it up on my phone. First off, Marc-Andre Fleury. If he wants to go somewhere else, if he's willing to go somewhere else, he's going to be going somewhere else. The Blackhawks realize he is undoubtedly their best chance at netting a first-round pick in the upcoming NHL draft. Of course, they don't have one, thanks to Stan Bowman giving up a, an extra first-round pick to Columbus in part of that Seth Jones trade. But for the Blackhawks, you got to think Marc-Andre Fleury, if he wants to go anywhere, that's certainly going to get done within the next month. Calvin DeHaan's another guy who I think basically, at this point, we're all expecting to get traded. It just makes too much sense, right? He's got the final year of his contract. He's an older defenseman. The Blackhawks are hoping that some of their young prospects are going to be able to take the next step in these upcoming few seasons. So to re-sign a guy like Calvin DeHaan for what, you know, it would be three, four million dollars. That just really wouldn't make sense given the situation of this team. So for a couple of different reasons, Calvin DeHaan seems more than likely to not be a member of the Chicago Blackhawks in the next month. Uh, who else we got here? It will be interesting, of course, to see what happens with Dylan Strome. I personally think the Blackhawks should keep him. I know I'm not alone in thinking that. 
but it would be interesting to see what they could get for him thanks to Stromer's resurgence over these past couple of months. But at the same time, when the Blackhawks finally give him an opportunity, look what the kid's doing. Why would you trade him after he's shown you this? Why would you trade probably your best offensive center at this point? That just wouldn't make any sense to me. I think that's adding by subtracting. I personally wouldn't get rid of Dylan Strome, but of course, I'm not the one calling the shots. I'm also really interested to see what's going to happen with Dominic Kubelik because in his first two years with the Blackhawks, he showed us he had the talent and the abilities to be one of the best snipers in the entire NHL. But so far this season, it has not been good. All the numbers are down for Kubelik, not only in terms of goals, but he's not getting off as many shots. He's having a bunch of shots blocked. His shooting percentage is way down. Even though he's getting more ice time, his numbers are down this season. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Blackhawks are going to punt on him after, you know, one bad half of hockey, really. Especially when it seems like they'd kind of be selling low on him at this point. When they probably, even though he is an RFA and I believe is arbitration eligible, even with that being the situation, I don't think it's going to cost the Blackhawks all that much money to re-sign uh, Kubalik at, um, with the year that he's having so far. So I'm really interested to see, like Stromer, if the Blackhawks are going to be trying to move Kurashev, or not Kurashev, Kubalik, excuse me. Uh, but Kurashev also is a guy who I wonder if they're trying to get a, a mid-round pick for or something. I know he's, he's still young, um, but it hasn't been good, as I talked about in, in the last segment. Kurashev struggled. There's a lot of guys in, in, this, in this conversation here. Um, but if I had to guess, most likely, you got to think Marc-Andre Fleury, Calvin DeHaan, um, maybe Henrik Borgstrom, potentially. We'll see how aggressive Kyle Davidson or whoever is the next general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks winds up being at the trade deadline. But we have heard that uh, basically everyone's available except the guys with the, with, uh, the no trade clauses in their contracts and Alex Dabrinkit, of course. If they trade Alex Dabrinkit, I might have to stop being a fan of this team. But yeah, if I had to guess, the three most likely names that will be gone within the next month are uh, Calvin DeHaan, Marc-Andre Fleury, and you can also throw Dylan Strome and Dominic Kubali kind of as a pair together in that group. The second question I want to answer on the show today comes from, oh, what was the name? One second here, folks. Ashley Worlesley. Worlesley? Sorry if I butchered that last name, Ashley. Uh, but Ashley asked over the weekend, what is wrong with this Blackhawks team? Is it the players? Is it Derek King? Is it the front office? Is it the organization? Or is all of those things kind of playing a factor into this? Because I don't remember not wanting to watch this team as badly as I do right now. Yeah, I feel you, Ashley. It is tough sledding right now to be a Chicago Blackhawks fan, to put it nicely. Um, but I do believe it's kind of, kind of just everything, right? I mean, a bunch of players are having down years. It's not guys I just talked about. You know, it's not just Dominic Kubalik. Patrick Kane, he only has 11 goals. I mean, this isn't the type of season type of season we're used to seeing from really anyone. I mean, Jonathan Taze is obviously having a down offensive year. Alex Dabrinkit's still scoring goals at a high rate, but he barely has any assists so far. So kind of is a down year for everyone, I feel like, in terms of the players. Now, whether or not that's because of the coaching situation or uh, just all everything that's surrounding the team right now, you know, it's been an absolute disaster of a season and we're barely halfway through. Um, so I think a lot of things kind of play into this, but I really believe that the Blackhawks, the one way to fix it, or at least head in the right direction to be fixing it, 
is by making the correct choice at, for their next general manager. They need to be, whoever is given the keys to this organization, whether it be Kyle Davidson retaining that job or whether they go elsewhere, I think that's the key for the future for the Chicago Blackhawks. Because obviously Stan Bowman put this team in a nightmare of a situation, both currently, obviously this team right now is definitely not good enough. And also going forward, right, we don't have a first round pick in this year's draft. Our prospect pool isn't that deep because of some of the moves Stan Bowman has made. So I really think the only way to go about this would be the next general manager coming in and trying to gain as many future assets as possible. As I just said, clearly this isn't working right now with what we got. And even though we have one of the best goaltenders in the entire NHL and in the entire history of the NHL, this team is still a nightmare. So obviously, there are a lot of pieces that need to be fixed. A lot of things that are here right now are not the right pieces. So I think the goal, you have to be trying to acquire as many prospects, high round picks, and just hope that you hit on those. Because the Blackhawks, it's not one thing that they need. They need a lot of different things. So <laughs> it's, it's going to... It's not going to be an easy fix. I really don't think that. Um, but I believe it starts with the next general manager. The Blackhawks got to make that right decision there. I really think it's got to be Davidson, uh, Eric Tolsky, or, or Matthew Darsh from the Tampa Bay Lightning. I really think it's got to be one of those three. Davidson is, I know he doesn't have that much experience, but he's been with this organization for a while. He knows what it takes to have success. He's been around that, but he also knows that he has to do it the right way, unlike the prior front office that the Blackhawks had. So I think Davidson still would be um, a good move for the Blackhawks, but I do believe going with uh, more experienced guys like Tolsky or Matthew Darsh could also be a smart decision. Both of those, or those organizations, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Tampa Bay Lightning, have found a ton of success these past couple of years and are two of the powerhouses in the NHL right now. So make the right move for the next general manager and then hope that uh, whoever it may be can kind of keep adding pieces to the future because the Blackhawks, as I said, they need to fix a lot of things. It's not just one piece. So um, I think the only way to go about doing that is to be gaining as many young prospects and draft picks as possible in the next couple of months. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap up Monday, February 14th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Bets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day by just simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Bets right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Talk and Hockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the Blackhawks or the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you could call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, go Hawks. Let's go pick up a big W north of the border up in Winnipeg. And thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. 
your team every day.